You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also, the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Fiserv Forum. I don't have any other Wisconsin ones to check out, but today was media day, so I spent my day at the lovely Fiserv Forum and got a chance to talk to all of the Bucks players. So that is no doubt what we'll be talking about tonight and who I will be talking about that with is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. The, the NBA season is sort of getting closer. I guess we've hit a, an important first milestone. The Bucks kind of official season uh, has begun. So um, I, I'm not sure, uh, you know, we learned much today. We didn't see actual basketball, but... Uh, anytime media day happens means we're getting closer to, to real NBA basketball. Yeah. And it, this, I I will say this. So we're going to play factor fiction, which I think you are going to lead, um, as you're going to try to drill me on things that we, we learned today and you're going to ask me a bunch of questions and that'll be fun because I was in the room, you were not. So we'll do it that way. But I got to say overall, a little bit of a boring, uh, a, a boring media day, and I guess the only media this today was my fourth media day that I've been a part of. So I've only covered media days in the Jason Kidd era, and I think through all of the things we learned, like I remember informing Greg Monroe he was coming off the bench two years ago. Like that was a thing that happened at media day and thus media day was, was kind of exciting. And I remember, uh, you know, like Jason Kidd talking about starting lineups and who's going to do stuff like that. And, uh, you know, there was always, there was some injury updates and this year, like there wasn't really a ton of that. Like uh, obviously John Henson had a little bit of an injury uh, and he says his back is fine. Malcolm Brogdon had his injury last year. He says he's fine. So there wasn't, to me, anything overly exciting, which is kind of strange considering the Bucks have a brand new coach. And it, it was just kind of a ho-hum kind of day. I think everything that you kind of expected to be said was said. That that dovetails with my first factor fiction for you, Eric. Uh, at, wow. I, 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 don't, I haven't even seen your list, so it's incredible uh, that I, was man- I managed to do Steve that. I'm going to Steve Von Horn you this entire, uh, you know, three hours that we go today or however long it ends up being. <laughs> Um, but this is, this is a softball though, but it, it kind of uh, fits in with what you were saying. Factor friction. We only care about media day because we're desperate NBA basketball fans. What say ye, Eric, you, you kind of tipped your hand, I think. Yeah, I think that's a fact. Um, I, I, I do think through like some of the things that we've gotten excited about in the past, uh, at a media day and it's like, man, that's really insignificant. <laughs> it doesn't matter in, in any way. Um, so yeah, I will say that as a fact. Uh, we are we are basketball starved, and this is our way to get some basketball in our lives. So 
we grab onto it and hold on for dear life because basketball is back and we want to be excited about it. So fact. All right, let's let's get through some of these. Um, fact or fiction? I think this is. Well, let's start with one that's really important. Um, and and this to me probably determines whether this buck season is uh, a disappointment or uh, or I don't know some one that lives up to to expectation. But fact or fiction, the Milwaukee Bucks will have a top ten defense in the 2018-19 season? What do you think? Oh, man, that is a tough question. Um, I will go with a fact. And uh, I, I think when we talked about this this last year, I can't remember exactly where we set our over-under, and we'll do an over-under podcast, uh, or I guess a week of probably over-under podcast because we can't seem to ever keep that one short here in the coming weeks. But I can't remember where we set that number, but both of us kind of said – you know, last year's team needed to be a top 10 defense because they were that talented. They were that good. Uh, they had that much defensive skill. And if they didn't, it was an indictment of Jason Kidd as a coach. And well, it was an indictment of Jason Kidd as a coach and he got fired and they brought in Mike Boonholzer. And I guess one of the things that I found interesting was there was a lot of talk all day about Mike Boonholzer and his system and how much faith they have in him. And I kind of asked Mike Boonholzer what he envisions as a system. Like so many people are talking about it. What does it mean? What is your system all about? And I actually want to play his answer and let people hear it straight from his mouth rather than me reading it. Uh, so here's Mike Budenholzer explaining what he expects and, and what he's looking for and his philosophies defensively. You know, I think defensively, we, you know, we want to be great in transition. It's always where it starts. Uh, you know, if you're not good there, you're probably going to be behind the curve to being a great defensive team. I think, you know, there's a mental discipline um, that we're going to demand of our group. And, you know, can we can we be great defensively without fouling? Um, it's something the players are going to hear a lot from us as we start practice tomorrow. And, you know, then can we improve defensively um, rebounding? It's going to be something that everybody's got to participate in. Um, but, you know, hopefully I think we have a high IQ team defensively where, there's so many pick and rolls every game, every possession. And, you know, can we be, um, you know, I think a committed defensive team, but also, you know, do we have the basketball intellect and the IQ to do what's best for that night and be able to adjust within a game or within a quarter coming out of timeouts? So what I guess kind of what I find important in there is there's a lot of things that I think we've been thinking about in the past. Uh, obviously, as we've talked about Jason Kidd and his defense, one thing that we've always mentioned, and it's something that Mike Budenholzer pointed out as well, was uh, can we improve defensively rebounding? That was a question he asked. That was something he said. And that's always something that everyone has noted. That's why Bucks fans have been so adamant about getting a center for all of these years was because they've been terrible defensive, a terrible defense rebounding team. And the hope is, you know, that Mike Boonholzer fixes some of that. So I think it's, it's interesting that he said that and obviously not something that should be all that surprising. Uh, another thing he said was defensively, they want to be great in transition. Uh, that was something that Jason Kidd and his staff hammered home as well. Um, but, I thought the one thing that kind of stuck out to me, obviously having a, a committed team defense and a high basketball IQ and basketball intellect, like that's all good stuff. But uh, when Boonholzer asked, can we be great defensively without fouling? And if you go to cleaning the glass under Jason Kidd, 
And so you'd go to defensive free throw rate and then ranked first to 30th. So if you're giving up a lot of free throws, you'll be 30. Um, If you're not giving up a lot of free throws, you'd be number one. Uh, During that time, the uh, however you want to put it, the lowest the Bucks finished on that was 18th under Jason Kidd. And last year they were all the way at the at the very bottom. They were second last in that rating. So it's something that they've always been in the bottom half for. And most of the time they've been in the bottom five to 10 with Jason Kidd. And if you look at Mike Boonholzer during that same time, his Atlanta Hawks teams, the worst finish they had was ninth in free throw rate. And that came this past year with arguably his worst, uh, his worst personnel that he's ever had. So to me that that can really help kind of fix things for, I shouldn't say fix everything for the bucks, but that should help clean everything up. If, if the bucks are able to start playing defense without their hands so much, stop giving up easy buckets, stop giving up a lot of free throws. Like all of those things kind of add up and can help turn a, a, mediocre to bad defensive team into a good defensive team so i will say fact and uh just kind of the fact that those are some of the things that he's looking out for to me lends some credence to the idea that this can be a top 10 defense yeah i think it's tough to go you know from 19th or whatever they were to you know second or third or something like that to be truly elite Um, but to be top 10, I mean, I think that's, that's probably where the bar needs to be. You know, you, you don't have guys in this roster that you point at and say, well, that's the guy who's the weak link. Right. I mean, I think it just in terms of individual defenders, um, you know, I don't think Jabari Parker was an excuse for the Bucks being as bad as they were, especially given they were bad when he was, he wasn't in the lineup as well. Um, so I think again, it's, um, you know, it's kind of one of these things that, uh, at some point, you know, now there's really no more. You know, there's really no more excuse um, for uh, for for what we've seen, right? And so, um, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, if if they can live up to it, because I think, yeah, that's that's going to be what prize the the most, you know, the the plays the biggest role in determining whether the Bucks can live up to those expectations, even if they are less willing to talk about the specifics of those expectations. Um, you know, I think that that the defense is is huge, and it was interesting to hear him talk specifically, obviously about not fouling about defensive rebounding about um, and starting with, you know, talking about defending and transition. Um, and, the, you know, that was one of the things the Bucks actually like were pretty good at. I think they were top five in terms of fewest transition points allowed last year. Um, so, I mean, they did tend to get back pretty well, um, but they sort of did it by blunt force. It was like, we're punting on everything. All five people like sprint back. And I, I might argue that individually, I don't know if they were that great at transition, but it was just like, all right, we are punting on offense rebounding. Everyone get back. And, you know, some teams do that strategy. Um, so I'd be curious if anything changes with that. And maybe guys are allowed to be better um, or more aggressive on the offensive glass. But if you want to be great defensively, you got to get back in numbers. Yeah, or you just have to have Giannis back, right? Um, Giannis, <laughs> is, uh, you know, sort of a single one man kind of fast break deterrent. Um, so I think it'll be, be interesting to watch, but, um, but yeah, I, I think that that's a big one. So, so let's, let's move on from defense. Um, fact or fiction, the Bucks ownership group is missing Jason Kidd. What do you think? What do you think, Eric? Do you think Jason Kidd is, is <laughs> at five foot four these days? Uh, I would say that is fiction. Um, and again, we'll, uh, we can loop a little bit of the audio in here. Um, I will 
uh, I guess in this situation, toss it over to Wes Edens and and let him take it from here. The one obvious difference around the team is that Bud has a system. He has a system that he plays. He has players that he wants to play in his system. You can see it in the practices. You can see it in his approach to the game. And I think that's a material change. I think giving people a job, telling them what their jobs are, hiring the right people for those jobs, that's essentially what a system really means. And I think that it's, you know, it's had great success in the past, and let's hope it has great success here. So, I mean, that's a... It's a, a pretty, um, it's a pretty strong <laughs> indictment, I guess, of Jason Kidd and his staff. Uh, that you know the the first thing that he thinks of is, I think the one obvious difference around the team is Bud has a system. He has a system that he plays. He has players that he wants to play in the system. You can see it in the practices. They haven't even had official practices yet. Like these are just like pick up like sort of like loosely organized team functions. And that's already the answer. Like, whew. wow. Yeah. And there's, and I think what, um, oh, who was it? Some, somebody was asked about like Bud's coaching style and they, they said, well, Bud hasn't even really been coaching at this point. Um, he's just kind of been, you know, letting them, letting them play and, and pick up and stuff like that. So, um, so that makes it particularly uh, amusing to see the not so um, not so indirect shade uh, being thrown in in Jason Kidd and the former coaching staff's way. Um, but hey, that's what that's what media is all about, you know. Shit on the guys that that you that you got rid of, and uh, and and hey, we're we're right there with you, right? We're not we're not going to fight fight that. Um, but uh, but be excited about the people that are here, and, and obviously, you know. There, there was no shortage of Mike Budenholzer excitement today, and, and certainly that, uh, that clip he played was, was a good example. Um, fact or fiction, uh, John Henson delivered, and on, a, on an otherwise boring day, as you noted, uh, John Henson delivered the sickest burn in the history of Milwaukee Bucks Media Day. I mean, I can't really think of, of other burns. Like, I mean, maybe, maybe Rashad uh, last year saying that Giannis's joke was terrible. Um, but I don't know that that was necessarily a burn. Um, yeah, that was one of the stranger, uh, interactions I've ever seen at a media day, uh, in what we're referring to as John Henson and Gary Wolfel and Wolfel for some reason, bringing up Henson's free throw shooting and Henson asking like, really, we're taking shots now. Like that's what we're doing. And then making a joke about how, uh, 50% of Gary's reports hit or something of that nature. Um, And it, it was, I don't, I, I, to be totally honest, I still can't really believe that it happened. Like, I I just can't imagine that occurring. And yeah, like the entire day was, was pretty overwhelmingly boring. And then that happened. And all of us just kind of looked around like, what the hell just happened? And, it was John Henson going back at Gary Wolfel. It was, it was something. Yeah, and you know, it's sort of things like you know, to, for for anything to be funny, there has to be some truth in it. Um, that 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 line isn't funny if John Henson delivers it to you know Matt Velasquez, right? Um, Correct. That, that had to be Gary. And um, the 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 funniest part was, um, Henson made a joke because what Gary Gary was like an ask a question before Henson had a chance to answer the previous one and he kind of playfully said something about, you know, oh, I knew you were trouble or something. 
And then yeah. Gary went right at him for like basically like you at the free throw line. I was like, which was kind of like, all right, that that's the escalation right there. At that point, Henson yeah. has Henson has the green light to 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 go for whatever burn he wanted to uh, on Gary. So uh, yeah, shout out to Jen Hen- John Henson. He didn't. It wasn't like just an out of the blue thing. He he had to be he had to get the opening and and the the moral high ground um, and then he he just went for it so um, there were uh, yes a, a lot of a lot of us laughing along with with that joke um, let me kind of move on um, in terms of the next factor fiction um, on our uh, on our list um, factor fiction Pat Connaughton doesn't know anything about the recent history of the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> And I believe the context of this was um, deep into the couple hours of media day interviews. Uh, someone asked uh, Pat Connaughton, you know, coming from a different team, um, what's the view around the around the league of uh, Milwaukee and the Bucks? Which, you know, is is it's only a softball in the sense that you have to like avoid trying to sound like too like conciliatory about Milwaukee as a city, you know, like you don't want to just play like the, like, Oh, Milwaukee's not that bad type card. Cause like whatever he sure. wisely steered clear of really talking about Milwaukee, the city and just focus on trying to say nice things about the bucks. But I, I thought he, he kind of betrayed his lack of knowledge about the Milwaukee bucks. Cause he immediately just started talking about the bucks defense and their length. And, um, and it was just like, Pat, you, you know, that that's what the bucks were specifically bad at. Right. And, uh, and then we were talking about it. He then also made some reference to, um, like the Bucks at the end of a game, like John coming up with a big block. And I think we, our both initial reaction was we thought he was going to talk about Giannis blocking Yusuf Nurkic at the rim last year against the Blazers. And so I was just like, okay, he doesn't even remember who got the shot block. Um, but then you mentioned that he could have been thinking about a couple of years ago when Myers Leonard got blocked by John Henson. So, so maybe, maybe he's actually digging way back into the memory banks. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was just kind of amusing. And I don't know, it just kind of underscores that like I don't, a lot of athletes like may not really like really do a lot of research on the team that they're signing with. They're really looking at the numbers or whatever. Um, but that's just sort of, I guess, the perception of Pat Connaughton as a random dude playing for the Portland Trail Blazers the last couple of years. Yeah, it was funny that you know the the time you highlight the Bucks' great defense is John Henson blocking a Myers Leonard floater. I think I don't even know what that was two seasons ago in January, maybe earlier in the I can't remember exactly when it happened, but I can remember that shot instead of Giannis going steal, steal, block. That's what he did in the final minute. He picked, let's see, he picked uh, McCollum, then he ripped the ball out of Lillard's hands, and then he blocked Nurkic at the rim. Like, he did all of those things, and the thing that you decided to go with is John Henson uh, blocking a floater. But also, um, speaking to your other point, like, you know, maybe athletes, like, don't pay that much attention to where they signed. And I would say, I think he probably did pay attention to where he signed, but I think a ton of athletes think about you know their anecdotal evidence 
and you know the time that they played that team or just general perceptions um and sometimes they don't have the most well-informed opinions which is why so often when former athletes uh belittle the opinions of people that tend to look at analytics or uh broadcasters or analysts um you know maybe don't side with the player uh you can they are the only people to have experienced it. Um, but also I think it kind of underlines the idea that, you know, maybe just playing that game doesn't make you an expert in the entire league. It makes you an ex- expert in your own personal human experiences, but not the overarching ideas of everything going on and the overarching, the overarching, the, the trends and everything else going on in the league. Like maybe just maybe they don't know all of those things. Uh, similarly, um, I'm going to nominate, uh, so, well, well, fact or fiction, Brooke Lopez has the most optimistic view of the Maki Bucks. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, this was, was mine. So maybe I just need to answer this myself. Um, I, I think this is a fact, uh, Brooke w- had an extremely enthusiastic hoopsype interview, uh, a few weeks ago that, um, some of you may have read. And today he was again, just, you know, just seemed really excited to be here and that, Hey, we like it. We love it. That's what media is about. Um, but it was a little funny. I think he made some comment about, um, you know, just feeling like there's, there's so much outstanding young talent on this team and one through 15, blah, blah, blah. And I was just kind of like, eh, outstanding young talent. Like, I, I, I mean, Giannis, if Giannis, he's still a young talent. Um, we, we also, you know, have made a habit on this podcast of bemoaning the Bucks, you know, for the most part whiffing on uh, many, especially their first round picks in recent years. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if he was talking about DJ Wilson, um, who, by the way, came out with three, uh, like non-guaranteed guys who probably don't make the team, uh, Christian Wood, Tim Frazier and Shabazz Muhammad. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think that was intentional in the sense of <laughs> implying that DJ Wilson isn't going to make the, the team, but um, that seemed kind of fitting. And I thought that was kind of ironic that, that Brooke had his comment about, you know, all the young talent on the team and, you know, DJ Wilson being the emblematic guy that, uh, you know, is, is still trying to figure out, can he actually make, uh, make any sort of impact? But um, I, I don't know. I, I've answered my own fact or fiction on that one, but anything you'd want to add? Yeah, I'm trying to think if anyone else is more positive. Um, I, I think, yeah, that was just uh, as I was listening to it. The only thing I could think of is like, you know, if you gave everyone a value rating on some sort of scale, um, that Giannis's value is so overwhelming um, that he makes up the entirety of the Bucks' uh, young player talent assets, and then it's like, okay, well, maybe. Uh, he is quite talented and uh, he's incredibly valuable. But yeah, if you're looking outside of uh, the 23 year old superstar, um, yeah, there's not a lot there. Uh, there's there's not a lot there. So um, I, I will ride with you on this one. All right. Next question: Fact or fiction? The headband works for Eric Bledsoe. I have to tell you, I've never been more upset at a media day than not having time to ask, are you wearing that during games to Eric Bledsoe? Because I think that's his new look. And I got to say, I didn't hate it. 
I did not hate it. Also, can we talk about NBA headbands? Um, the official NBA headband is quite large and it's quite thick. Uh, because I, I think back to Tim Thomas when he was double headbanding it, I feel like the headband Eric Bledsoe had on his head was as wide as both of the headbands that Tim Thomas used to wear. Like, what's going on with headbands? Why are they so wide now, Frank? I don't get it. You know, I, I gotta say, I, I'm not a fan of the headband. I, I feel like the headband is, is, um, I don't know. I mean, like, sure, like Tim Thomas elevated it to an art form with the double headband, which I don't even know if that's real anymore. Um, but I would say mostly, you know, I feel like if you're balding, if you're LeBron, like it makes kind of more sense. You got a little kind of want to want to hide something <laughs> up there. Um, but if you've got, a, I don't know, Eric Bledsoe, I think he's got a normal hairline. I don't think he's got yeah. anything to hide on his head. Um, did am I making this up? Did Chris Middleton randomly wear a headband once, and then everyone made fun of him? Somebody, there was somebody on the Bucks who hmm. who like randomly wore a headband. I can't imagine if Middleton actually wore a headband or not. I feel like I feel like he probably didn't wear a headband. But like Jason Terry shaved head that makes sense to me headband it, it kind of sure. worked it made sense um a lot of other guys you know charlie villanueva um i thought it made sense yes like yes. you know that that worked really well <sighs> eric bledsoe I, I don't know I, I feel like that's not a long-term solution um i i think uh, no no headbands the the way to go um so so that's my that is my you know really arbitrary and, and unimportant opinion of, of eric bledsoe's headband game if people feel otherwise, maybe we should put up a poll or something and see if I'm I'm just making this up. But I'm I don't think Bledsoe needs to pick up the Jason Terry headband slack for now. That's I don't know. I feel like it's a it's a look that works for him, and I can't totally explain why. Um, from my vantage point, I thought it looked I thought it looked good. Um, I thought it was a solid look for him, but yeah, I don't know. I'd. I think I probably need to see it in game action and I need to think about it a little bit more. I mean, if, if he has a problem with sweat getting in his eyes, then, Hey, you know, function over, <laughs> over, you know, substance over style, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I'm, I'm imagining that's, that's not the, uh, the big concern here. So I, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe it's just me. Um, factor fiction, Thon maker and, and Tyler Zeller were not there, which means that a deal swapping them for Jimmy Butler is imminent. <laughs> uh, that is a fiction. Um, I, I can confirm with both of my eyes um, that I saw both Thonmaker and Tyler Zeller in the building. Um, we were told by Bucks PR that uh, they during media day. So um, you may remember this from the cupping fiasco of last season, um, but during media day, uh, the the Bucks players take a lot of pictures. Um, they do a lot of uh, group pictures. They do a, a number of the official pictures for the season. Um, so essentially, the player has a, a long day of going from room to room to room. Uh, I think they do like interviews. I know Katie George was there for Fox Sports Wisconsin. She was doing interviews. Uh, they do other one on ones. So like it's like this this whole big long kind of schedule of doing all of these different things um and then how they try to do media day is obviously bring players up in small groups either twos or threes um, or in some cases fours and then get them into the room and then you know you're managing five or six different schedules and bucks pr told us that it just did not work to get 
those guys in there with other groups that made sense. Um, so we did not get Thon or Tyler Zeller today. Um, but both of them were in the building. Both of them are still on the team. Um, I saw both of them. Uh, so yes, they, they both exist. Um, I, but uh, to be fair, that doesn't preclude them from, be, from being involved in a Jimmy Butler trade. Um, and if, if they, they can actually get Jimmy Butler for Tyler Zeller and Thon Maker, I feel like that's a no brainer. Um, but I cannot speak to that. So I guess it's, a it's a, a fiction ish. It could technically be a fact that I don't know about, but I, I would say fiction. All right. This is kind of this next is kind of a bonus factor fiction because I, I don't I don't know if it was actually brought up at media day, but it came out um, end of last week um, when the Bucks kind of released their training camp roster and it had official uh, measurements. Um, and I thought it was interesting because the weight measurements were extremely specific. They were you know normally I feel like a lot of times like people are just listed at like you know, the same thing year after year. And it seems like it's like kind of just a rounded number. Um, but the Bucks had some very specific weights that were different from previous years. Um, and probably the most interesting one that, that we noted was uh, Giannis Zedekumbo weighing in at reportedly 242 pounds, uh, which a year, about a year ago, he uh, said he was around 233. And that's, that's, that's beefy Giannis, um, which, you know, again, like if you had told me last year, he was 240 pounds. I wouldn't have been shocked just because he's become very chiseled. Um, but let's say fact or fiction, Giannis is almost getting too jacked. What do you think? Ooh. Um, hmm. That's interesting. Uh, I, I was not quite ready for him to be weighing 242 because I remember him telling us he was 233 last year. Um, and then during marketing day, not media day, marketing day last week, um, when they shot all the in arena stuff, he told a photographer that he added three pounds of muscle. Um, and well, if you add three to two thirty three, that's two thirty six. Um, but I mean, I think it adds up that he is two forty two. Uh, he does look pretty beefy. I, I will say that. And as beefy as someone who has like negative 10 body fat can be like, uh, I, I mean, he's, just ridiculous but um yeah he's on the beefier side ultimately though i don't i don't know if there's a too beefy for him like uh, i think as long as you uh have the right shooting experts in and you have the right people that can teach him how to shoot like i don't know that being overly large is like necessarily the worst thing especially for him where you know, he's going to take a beating every night. Like we do see how physical other teams are allowed to be with him. So, you know, if he has a little bit more weight to push people around, that should be fine. Uh, We haven't seen him play yet. So if all of a sudden he can't Euro step or all of a sudden his spins aren't very quick anymore, like then it's a problem, but uh, we haven't seen that yet. And I don't know that we will see it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's, I mean, and again, like, what do I know, right? I mean, Giannis is physically has an enormous frame. So um, to say that, like, oh, he shouldn't be above the number X, I mean, who knows, right? I think um, until we see him play, it's kind of hard to say. I think certainly last year um, you could see the strength um, was important because guys really, I mean, really the last two years, guys have started to kind of more visibly, like, bounce off him around the basket, like his ability to just power up and finish through guys. Um, you know, ask Aaron Baines, uh, <laughs> has become much more obvious. Um, so, you know, again, like 
um, you know, I, I, I was, was going to say something about, you know, Giannis being beefy. Um, I guess in this case, um, Greek beef kebabs, souflaki. So is he a little too, wow. little too, little too souflaki, a little too much souflaki? I don't know. Um, but I think, you know, it'll be fun to watch him play and see, um, and see, you know, again, does this also play into him potentially positionally playing more, more minutes as a five, right? Obviously having more strength and, and especially core strength. Cause that's really kind of like a lot of the questions, like, where's the weight, right? Um, I mean, I don't think NBA, NBA players need big arm muscles, right? And, um, certainly Giannis has filled out and I don't think, you know, Giannis is just adding bicep biceps just for the sake of looking cooler or whatever um so I, I think certainly as long as it's just sort of like his body maturing and obviously he does weight work and you know strength work but you know i think you just trust the the bucks medical team the Bucks strength team um to know what what his body can can take and you know let it evolve in a way that that makes sense and obviously you know if he ends up being feeling like he loses some of his explosiveness well you know i mean again it's not like you put on like 25 pounds or something like that right um and and guys oftentimes you know will lose will lose muscle mass a little bit throughout the season um just because they can't just go in and and you know and work out constantly um and, and be in the weight room so um so i think it'll be interesting to see but you know obviously i mean you talk about Giannis improving and his ceiling and where is it and how good can he really be i mean if he continues to get physically more and more dominant um that's a component and i think with with muscles like you always worry a little bit like you know do you do you get almost too muscular and and flexibility wise like for your jump shot like does that hurt you and i think you know i think a little bit of like desmond mason you know for bucks fans who remember yep. desmond mason coming back at one year and yeah, he just like looked like he was so strong and his like shooting mechanics got all funky and you know he really struggled shooting uh, from the perimeter after being a guy who was for a long time actually i think a very good free throw shooter and then he just looked kind of a lot more awkward shooting. And again, that could have been much more psychological than, you know, just he's got too many muscles. Um, but, you know, you never know, right? I mean, I think we like we like the version of Giannis we saw last year. Like, I wouldn't want to mess with that too much. So um, so it'll be interesting to see just, uh, you know, what, what we kind of get from Giannis uh, for the rest of the season. And like you said, too, I mean, if he said he added three pounds, then, you know, look, we, he said he was 233 a year ago, right? So who knows where his, his weight ended up. Again, I wouldn't expect it to go up during the season um, unless he was eating too much souflaki. Um, but <laughs> the, the, you know, the fundamental thing is, you know, you, I think you just sort of trust the guy and, and um, you know, you trust the Bucks staff to, to make sure he's in the best shape he can be. And um, again, like I said, if it's like, Oh, he's a few pounds too heavy or whatever. Um, look, I'd rather have him, you know, working out a little too much and then needing to kind of back off than, being a guy like, you know, John Wall, who had that Team USA photo where it looks like, you know, he's stoned and too much candy <laughs> all summer. So, um, so anyway, you know, these are, these are the good problems that you have with Giannis. And, um, man, I'm just excited to see actual basketball. Can we get October 3rd to be here already? Like, what are we, what are we down to? It's like, uh, is that nine days away or something like that? Yes, it is about nine days, but fiction, we cannot make it get here. Um, yeah. but it, it, it's right around the corner. It's okay. We'll, we'll get there. Um, we, we, I mean, obviously Frank, we got to figure out, um, you know, how much faster the bucks would like to play. Um, how many more threes they'd like to shoot. Uh, let's see what other, what other start of the season cliches am I missing? Um, 
Are we going to get a spirited practice on Tuesday? Ooh. That's my biggest concern. Ooh, there we go. That's a great cliche. We'll see if if it is spirited. That would be huge for this season if you can get a real good spirited practice in there. Oh yeah. Uh, in the first week, that really says a lot about how much your team competes. I hope. I hope guys compete. I hope guys compete, Eric. That's, That's the big thing. That's the big yeah. thing. No doubt about it. You, you got to have competitive every day. <laughs> that, that was one irony is today. We heard a lot of like Joe Pruntyisms as far as getting better every day, which shockingly, it's almost as if that's just a thing that coaches say. What? Yeah, no, that, that yeah. there was a lot of that, which again, like I said, it, it was different than the last couple d- years where there was this, I mean, maybe a false sense of bravado where it was just like, 50 games, Eastern Conference Finals. That's what we're going to do. And it was just like, uh, I, I remember Chris, I asked Chris Middleton about it. He was just like, well, you know, the last couple of years, we kind of looked like fools um, saying that. And like, that's still the goal. We still want to win 50 games. And, you know, we still want to go to the Eastern Conference Finals and win a bunch of games and win in the playoffs. But, you know, at some point we have to do it. And I think that's a, it's a healthy way to look at this season. Uh, hopefully this was a healthy podcast for you all to get a look at this buck season. I think Frank is out of factor fictions. If I'm correct, um, we can wrap up this podcast. We, we have only fat, we have only reality and facts left. I have no more, no more games to play with you. Um, <laughs> but as you said, game games are coming soon and, and I'm excited, Eric. As am I. So for Frank men, I'm Eric name. This has been locked on bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.